welcome back to the Black Experience. My name is Mina. I go to Ithaca College and I have a podcast called Birds and Black Girls, which centers around sexuality, sex education, and Black sexuality specifically. But I also um, study other aspects of sexuality, just anything that intersects sexuality. So that can be like gender, race, um, classism, culture, things like that. I'm joining my friend's podcast, and I'm excited to talk about catcalling and other forms of sexual harassment that Black women, specifically, and women of color as well can face. Hi guys, this is President Brianna. And Vice President Tara. And this is our first ever The Black Experience collab with another podcast. We've had guests before, but this is super cool because we're joined with another podcaster to do a collab podcast. This is very exciting. Hey, it's Secretary Hillary, guys. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about catcalling. All right. So first, we're going to take a little dive into um, our own experiences. So has anyone ever been, like, catcalled by men or just, like, bothered and, like, given unwanted attention by men? I know, like, Bree, you talked about kind of like your experience at Dollar Tree, but do y'all have, you know, any other experiences you want to talk about? Um, I guess my experience at Dollar Tree wasn't really catcalling, more like just a predator, like watching its prey and it was like disgusting. But I feel like from a young age, I've always been like looked at and even like catcalled, like obviously like I have like big assets, if that's what you call them. Like my boobs started growing when I was like eight. And so like when I'd go home to Jamaica, like these grown men would like look at me and like say these like nasty little side comments and it always made me like uncomfortable. Or like just even men like in cars just driving by and like honking or like doing just some stupid stuff, but yeah. Yeah, I definitely had a similar experience. I feel like I started puberty, like, kind of early, like, in the sense that I was noticing, like, my boobs and, like, my hips and things like that growing at a young age. And that's definitely started, like, the unwanted attention I got towards my body, especially, like, I grew up in the city, so there are times where I was walking and I would have men honk at me, um, make sexual remarks at me. I've had men like like drive and they like stop their car next to me and they ask me like for my number and how I'm doing and things like that and usually they're way older than I am like I've had men between me either like a couple years older than me or men who probably are like in their 40s and or 50s 60s things like that and it's been like a diverse group of men as well like black men white men I've like I've had people approach me at the gym and add like very just raunchy comments and it's like yeah what about you guys um I remember like when I was really young so I grew up like in Brockton but I didn't really use public transportation or anything because I went to school so so far away that like uh, I, I drove the I drove the bus I rode the bus to school or like my parents picked me up if I if they needed to or whatever but like my cousins live in the city and they took public transportation to get to school every day. And I remember once one of my older cousins was telling me like, 
if you ever feel uncomfortable like we were all like sitting around and like joking about it but like it was also so serious she was just like if you ever feel uncomfortable just like pull out your phone and be like hi daddy are you coming to get me in the police car oh, okay i'll see you down the street i'm almost there oh you have your gun <laughs> and like i remember one time i was like for some reason i ended up walking home from school um because my parents couldn't get me and there was like this guy in a car who like slowed down next to me bro i panicked mind you i was like a street away from my house i was like full-on panic mode i was like pulling out my phone i was like obama are you listening are you here like i was having fake conversations with the whole world yo i was shook and like my bus stop used to be burger king we all know how that goes um and there was one time when i was there like with my brother mind you so it's not like i was alone and i'm sure it was maybe like five maybe five at the time um and like this guy comes up to me he's like like yo how old are you and so like i'm at least 15 maybe if i was five i had to be 14 or 15 but i'm like oh i'm 12 because like this man is mad creepy and he's like oh oh really like i thought you were older than that and i was like nah and he was like you got a phone though and i was like no i don't have a phone he was like, why not? I was like, because my parents don't want me to. And he was like, oh, well, I could buy you a phone. And I was like, that's okay. Thank you. My mom's here. I was like, okay, let's go, bro. <laughs> like, we were running. Oh, my God. Um, I actually do have one. I have a couple, too. So I have been approached by um, a variety of men all my life. Um one that I can remember right now was that, yeah, same. I was walking home from school. I was almost to my street. Um, this colored man, really tall, like, mind you, he was, we were going in two different directions. It was a two-way street. He was going, I believe, right, and I was going left. So I'm going, I'm almost to my, you know, my home street. I'm about to hit home, probably find something to eat. I had a whole afternoon plan before I hit the homework or the books. I'm excited to get home. So I hit the street and this man was eyeing me while we were both at, you know, at the cross section. So I'm already thinking like, all right, he's going the wrong, he's going in the opposite direction. So, you know, hello, we don't got to worry. No, when I tell you guys this man drove to the direction I was going and then stopped right in front of me. So when he stopped right in front of me, he got out of the car. So yours stayed in the car. He got out of the car. I don't know how yours um, was, but mine got out of the car closed it, turned off the engine, and approached me. So me walking with headphones on, I'm thinking, you know, I should probably walk faster or... Walk faster? I would have become yeah. the same Bolt's daughter. I would have like, zoomed. I would have thinking, you know, I should walk faster. But no, this is, you have to understand, so this is a really tall man, colored, long legs. Like, I'm sure you, you know that. Like, I'm really sure. So I'm like, okay, you know, Hillary, like, maybe like, whatever it is that he wants, we can give it to him and then we can be on our way. So I, I go, I, so he approached me, um, started making conversation, you know, how old are you? I told him, you know, where you coming from? I, I told him, um, what else did he say? Like, yeah, so then he said, can he get my number? So me being me, I was like, sure. But the trick that I did, 
I gave him a wrong number. So I ended up like, so the first like two digits, like no, yeah, like the the city, which is the first, the first numbers, the second one numbers were okay, but then the last four, I just made some random numbers up. So then he was like, all right, I'm gonna text you, you know, I'm gonna call you so we can, you know, link up, you know, and hang out. I was like, yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. You know, I waited for him to get in his car, pulled away. Shit, I bolted to that house real fast. <laughs> I sped walk, I sped walk, gave him the wrong phone number, and yeah, I, I he never called, never texted, because I never gave you the right number, so never had to worry about it. Uh, yeah. That's so scary. Whatever the case may be. With, with your story, Tara, that kind of reminds me of, like, because at first when I thought about catcalling, like, I had never thought it was something that, like, grown like older women had to deal with like I was always like okay all of these men like they are mostly going after like it's like vulnerable women right and then the other day my aunt went on a walk okay my aunt is in her like she's 44 45 she has four kids but she's going on a walk with her seven-year-old and her nine-year-old and so she's walking and this guy is catcalling her like flirting with her saying just just trying to get like her number and stuff like that and I'm just shook I'm like my aunt is like I mean she's like a, a beautiful woman obviously but like she's in her 40s she has she has her two kids with her and this guy is like being all creepy and stuff and her kids are like no like she's has she's married like she can't get a Yo, boyfriend it's the kids coming to her defense. that's killing me my nine-year-old cousin was like why is he talking to you like that like you have a husband and I'm like talking to them and I'm just like yeah like I was talking to my cousins I was like don't do that when you're older like girls don't like that and they're like of course not and that the same thing happened to my mom too like one time my mom had like this guy like driving next to her and she was like yo I'm a single mom with like four kids (laughs) like please leave me alone and it's just like it's crazy like just no matter where you go no matter how old you are like there is somebody out there who just wants to bother you and I think my most because I've tried to say like ignorant I guess when it comes to catcalling like I, my method is to like ignore somebody but I think one experience I had that really sucked was when I walked my cousin to school I dropped him off I was wearing like a short like skirt that day whatever but like who cares <laughs> you know and I was walking and this guy drives right next to me and he goes hello and like naturally, I wasn't thinking, like I wasn't on defense mode because it was like literally two minutes from my house. So I was like, hi. And then after I said hi, I was like, oh shit. Like, because when you say hi back, they think like, oh, she wants me, she's in love with me. And so he starts following me and he's like, can I remember, what's your name? How old are you? And I kept ignoring him, ignoring him. I was texting my aunt and I was like, yo, this man's trying to follow me home. And she was like going to the corner store because there's a corner store right there. So I come in and I had to literally wait for like 10 minutes before, so this guy can like finally give up, leave, so I can walk home. And that was, that was scary because it was so close to my house. Like what if he just decided like, you know, I'm gonna find where this girl lives and bother her, like, you know? Yo, like, I don't know. I think I told a story, maybe, but I'm not sure. But, like, I want to say it was, like, freshman or sophomore year. Abby was still my roommate. I remember I, like, got up. It was, like, 10 p.m. I was, like, I'm going on a walk. And she was, like, okay. 
because like <laughs> like she's used to me doing just like psycho stuff all the time so she didn't even pay attention to me she was like okay because um, in my head going on a walk in north adams at nighttime like made sense right so i go walking whatever and like mind you our campus is about like two minutes wide like like you can get from one side of campus to the other in like two, yeah. two minutes flat yeah. and i'm a slow walker and so I cross through our campus, past the academic halls, past the townhouses, and I'm like right behind the townhouses. Um, I don't know what the street is called, but like there's this bar called the Pitcher's Mound. And like, if anyone who's listening goes to MCLA, you know, the Pitcher's Mound is like, it's barely off campus. Like it might as well be part of campus. Yep, yeah, I know that bar. Yeah. And like, mind you, I get there and there's a group of men standing outside of the Pitcher's Mound. And they all start like coughing when I walk by. <laughs> like all of them coughing at the same time. I'm like, first of all, I've seen enough Lifetime movies to know that I'm about to get got, right? Okay, so I speed up because now I'm scared. And then a stranger passing by in a truck, mind you, I don't know nobody in this area, so it couldn't be nobody that I knew, honks his truck at me. So at this point, I'm like almost in tears. I call Abby. I'm like, Abby, I'm scared. Abby, I'm scared. Like, like they about to get me. Like, like it's done for. Like, they about to kill oh me. Gosh. And she's like, okay, let me look at your location. Like, let me see where you are. Because she has my location on her phone. And she's like, sis, like, you're basically still on campus. Just walk. Just start walking back. And so she stayed on the phone with me up until I literally got back into the room. Because I was, like, so scared. Why are men like this, bro? Like, some of them were, like, even barking. Like, they were just doing, like, weird stuff. Yeah, I've I've never been have been like harassed on my own campus even and I've walked like alone at night, but there's like a blue like system where you can always like contact the police and stuff if that were to happen. And honestly, I'm just so grateful because it's like I mean, it's scary. And I it's so unsettling. I think they get like a kick out of the unsettlingness of it because it's just like it's not like no girl really wants to, I got any girl who's like yes I was catcalled and it was like the best experience of my life like most girls are like no I don't want this guy talking to me and especially since we talked about like minors and stuff I've had there was a time when this guy approached me at the mall there are a couple times where I was at the Westgate mall which is a mall in Brockton and I was like 12 one time I was walking and this guy I didn't know this guy was behind me but I just started walking faster and this guy was like, wow, I just love the way you walk and stuff. And I'm like, and I literally dived into like old Navy and hid behind my dad. And it's just little stuff like that. And the thing is, is you can't, um, to like kind of talk with more about like culture and like sex and, and patriarchy. It's like, if you say anything about it, like to men, like if I talk about it, if I were to talk about it to my dad, his first question would be, what were you wearing? Because there have been times where I've had men give me like sexual looks when I'm with my dad and he's like it's because you're wearing this and that which means you're asking for attention and it's it's kind of scary like we're in this vulnerable position but somehow we're the problem I think it's funny that like men still think that we dress for them like what year do you think this is um y'all be wearing the weirdest things y'all don't dress for Yo, us I, mean, we dress for you. <laughs> um, I remember I was at workout world once in Brockton and like Anyway, I was working out. Ah, kind of. Um, I was sitting on, like, the thing, uh, like, the bicycle thing. It had a TV. 
And I'm, you know, I'm riding my little bicycle, watch my little TV in the gym. And this man walks up to me and he's just staring at me, just staring. And I'm like, yes. Like, I didn't even acknowledge him. And he was like, are you working out or are you watching TV? And I was like, I'm sorry, sir. Do you own stock in workout world? Like, is me not working out really impacting you this much? And then like eventually he ended up being like a personal trainer so that's why he was trying to like get my attention and then he started like showing me the machines and he was like oh you remember like before you use the machines you have to like wipe them down so that your beautiful skin doesn't get ruined and like the thing was that like yes like he was trying to get me to be his client or whatever and that's why he was talking to me but this man was like devouring me with his eyes i was like first of all you're grown like you're 40 plus stop looking at me like that it's weird it was just the whole scenario. Like sometimes, like I don't know. Like sometimes I'm like, man, like I love you, but don't talk to me. <laughs> I don't want to talk to you. Yes, I, like I personally did not like going to the gym when I was younger because I had the same issues. And I, I think one thing that men have that I think is like important for young girls to know and just women in general is that men all have audacity, and that audacity is like basically the idea that they could implant like any form of control and policing on you because they can. Like I've been at the gym and I've had guys try to make moves and like comments just so they can have a conversation with me, just so they can look at me. Um, I've had complete strangers, complete male strangers at the gym approach me and say like, hi, I've seen you here often. You just look so good, like things like that. And I'm just like, I don't need, like they think that, like, like, they think this man who's, like, in his 50s thinks that it's going to make my day if he comes up to me and he tells me how good I look. Like, no, <laughs> it does not make me feel good, especially when I'm 15. Like, it does not make me feel good. And I think it's stressful in some way when you're a lot younger because this guy's, like, I'm not, I'm small, <laughs> I'm not that strong. Like, if he felt like it, he could just scoop me up and just put me in the, the back of his car. I mean, I've, list, I've watched the true crime documentaries. I know that sometimes if you ignore somebody or don't give them any attention or if you give them attention, they can just be like, you know what? I'm going to take you home without your consent and just, you know, kidnap you. So, yeah. And I think another thing, and this might be, like, controversial and controversial and y'all can like yell at me if I'm saying nonsense but like I don't know I feel like catcalling and stuff is like so so like ingrained in like our society that like I don't know if you're a girl who isn't catcalled often or like men don't give you unsolicited attention you think that there's like something wrong with you because, like, it's supposed to be normal. Like, it's supposed to be, like, like, oh, men are supposed to catcall. Men are supposed to, like, talk to you all the time. They're supposed to give you attention. And so, like, when you don't receive that attention from men and you see other women getting it, like, sometimes it, like, it makes you feel like, oh, like, oh, I'm not attractive or whatever because men aren't giving me unwanted. Or am I crazy? Y'all could tell me if I'm crazy. No, you're, you're completely right, Sarah. I agree. Yeah. I think that... Um... I mean, I guess in like the most cliche way to say it is that we've kind of been taught that we exist for men 
because like if you think about we think about like marriage we think about relationships in our lives like fathers and brothers and sons like if we think about our body types um gender roles body image issues it's all because we want to like confirm to society which is ruled by men like we live in a patriarchal society and so when we're not being harassed in some way we often question if we are if we fit that mold like if we are good enough to be um if we are good enough for men like if i think about for example one time I, i've gone to the dmv in my local city the city i grew up in and there's this police officer who works there and every time he comes there this guy's not doing his job like he's always trying to find a way to talk to me and flirt with me and stuff and like i just think about how there's a lot of like men in um law enforcement and who have like who are politicians who have some form of political power and they can just do that like this guy is a police officer and he has no issue like exiting out of his role of like guarding the dmv and talking to me and it's like it's just society allows that like to him that's okay and there's no problem with that and to other police officers and to other people who have some form of power that's okay to like go out and like bother women because they in their mind have like a social right to do that yeah screw the police um i think i, I don't know i feel like in other countries like and this might just be stuff that i've read in books or seen in movies or whatever um but like the police get away with so much worse when it comes to women. Like in high school, we read articles about um, just how like dirty cops in like different places, like how poorly they treat women. Um, but like, I also, you know, I don't think it's that far-fetched that like there are certain probably members of of the police in the US who probably treat women you know, incorrectly, which is so, like, annoying because, like, they are the police that is, are almost, like, the gatekeepers for justice, supposedly, right? So, like, if something, like, some injustice happens to a woman, like, a woman, you have to go through the police in order for any legal action to be taken. You have to go through these gatekeepers, you know, for any of these things. And that was, like, an issue on our campus um because we didn't have any like we just this semester just got a woman um in the campus police and so like that that was an issue where it was only men working over there so like if something happened to a student's body like she had to go all the way to campus police and tell a man what happened and like hope that that man you know does the right thing i think that kind of like to bring up race now um i think that stuff yeah i agree like that's there are gatekeepers and i think when you're a woman of color you are already like hypersexualized, like because we all have experiences of being young like elementary school middle school high school and being um approached by much older men because people have this idea that black girls are a lot older and more sexual than we actually are because of you know stereotypes that literally date back to like the 1700s and 1800s with slavery especially and I feel like in Caribbean culture as well because some of us are Afro-Caribbean like there's this there's this there's definitely an idea that like Caribbean women are like this exotic like sexual human being and 
as a black woman, there are times where I feel uncomfortable going to police officers or anyone who has a, some power over me, whether it's like a familial power or um, some type of like enforcement and telling them if somebody has bothered me because I feel like they view me as some form of like sexual object. So, cause there are plenty of women, especially women of color who've gone to the police and they're like, this is what happened to me. And they're like, well, you shouldn't have been walking through that neighborhood. Why are you at this time? Why are you alone? Why are you wearing this? Why are you wearing that? And it's literally just because of how we exist, how we're shaped, our skin color. And I think because we live in like such like a system that's built on structural and systematic racism, if you are a black woman or a person of color, woman of color who is suffering from some form of like catcalling harassment or like sexual violence, like you're automatically assumed to be like the temp the tempter, you know, like people think that we're like some um siren like calling for like this unwanted harassment so if you speak up then it's like it's your fault for being black and having boobs at like 10. um i think it also goes into like the idea how like slavery really does shape the like the way the world is right now and how it's so heavily ingrained in black families that you know black girls are too grown in a sense and so it's like how are we too grown if we're just being children and i feel like a lot of pressure to be this like certain person or act this type of way comes from the family themselves and it's like what there no child is too grown so i feel like just that statement like reinforces this idea that what happens to black women is our fault yeah, and if if we're thinking about slavery as well, like um, police, the system of police officers was created from slave patrols. And back in slave time, um, masters, specifically white masters, had absolutely no problem exercising some form of sexual power on their female slaves. And even though slavery happened, quote unquote, a long time ago, we still, we have that, those slave patrols have turned into police officers and those black female slaves have turned into black women who are in some way like under the thumb of white people in power. And because they have power, they have absolutely no problem um, enacting some form of like harassment and violence. And I think another thing as well is that if we're speaking about harassment that we face from men of our own race or other men of color, I think that's even more frustrating because if we do want to speak up as well, they do not see the problem with it because um, it's like, I'm trying to, like kind of like a metaphor of like a peacock showing its feathers in a way. Like we can't say anything, whether it's men outside of our race or men within our race, because there's like this contradiction of like, um, like if we speak about, um, Sorry, I'm trying to like collect my thoughts. But basically like if a black man is like harassing me and I'm somebody who is very like, like I'm anti-police, I want the police to be abolished and be funded. So I'm like kind of like conflicted because I know how police officers view black men. Cause if we think about like Megan Thee Stallion and how she didn't want to turn in like Tory Lanez, like we feel like if we say anything to police officers about what black men are doing, like we are putting them in a very like racist 
um, position, a position where they can be tortured and treated, mistreated, but we're also conflicted because we want justice in our own way. So how can we even seek that justice in a system that where justice is non-existent because there's racism there? And like to that same point, I feel like, um, you know, speaking of Megan Stallion, like so many people said that like, oh, um, they're only, people are only trying to cancel Tory because he's black or like people are, were saying like, oh, like, you know, like if you're like a woman of color and like you point the finger at a man of color, it's, uh, people are like, oh, um, like we're, we're oppressing each other and stuff like that. But it's like, no, like if you, if you're in the wrong, like, like we have to call you out. We're not just going to pardon you because you're black. Like, I feel like that's where like intersectionality comes to play when it comes to like the idea or I don't know, the crazy thought of like, we're oppressing each other and it's not the case because at the end of the day, like black men are still men and black women are still women and we're still facing these problems that specific gender identities deal with so I think it's unfair to say that you know we're speaking out on these like issues and it's like being turned down because they're black men in a sense um and yeah exactly and it's frustrating to be in that very contradicting position and I think just seeing what happened with Megan Thee Stallion, seeing how people poor um, people came for her neck and how people are saying that she's lying. Both black men and black women too are taking his side. And it's just like, there's really like, there's, I feel like for black women specifically, like we're in such a painful position and we're um, damned if we do, damned if we don't in the sense of like reporting violence that we've um, been influenced. Like, I don't know one black woman who hasn't had faced some form of like cackling or harassment and a lot of times we are scared to speak up and there is like this um thing in our minds so about um again law enforcement uh and in a sense like betraying our own community um or in a sense like sometimes it can be a friend or a family member who like crosses the line when it comes to like cackling harassment and you don't feel again, comfortable to report that because you are, you, you are in like such a quote unquote, like lower position, lower hierarchy compared to like the men in your family, in your worlds. And yeah. Um, I just want to double back for one second on something that you said earlier about how like, I feel like Afro-Caribbean women are like super, like super sexualized. Like, I don't know like why <laughs> but like I feel like men sometimes see us and when I see us I, when I say us I'm not really talking about me <laughs> I'm talking about like others um but they kind of see us as like these like super exotic like like they only see us as like carnival dancers or something or like you know some some like exotic prize think about like oh my god I'm, I'm gonna say it wrong hot 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 not venus okay and if you don't know what, if people don't know what Hot, Hot Not Venus is, it's basically like these European men went to Africa and they took, they took these, they like drew these pictures of black African women they saw and like really like made them show like really big boobs and really big butt. And they kept talking about their bodies 
and it's literally like this whole thing about this how black women are like shaped and how their shape is like animalistic basically like it was both fetishy and well fetishizing a woman is degrading obviously and so it's like kind of fetishizing the black woman's body and degrading it and i think and that does continue like if you if you were to ask any non-black man like how they perceive black women there's definitely going to be like some sexual um comments surrounding them like any heterosexual bisexual any man that's attracted to women um would not would probably have something to say towards black women's um sexual bodies and being and it has to do with like again the agreement stereotype like if we look at both media if we look at like eroticism porn things like that like there's always like this stereotype surrounding black women that's like these feisty um independent women who take what we want and people think that it's like a positive character character but it's very kind of like implying some form of like aggressive sexuality that means that we're constantly asking for it like like just if we are sexual beings that means men have the right to sexualize us and verbally physically and emotionally sexualize us yeah and i'm always like super wary of like white men who think that they're like above fetishization you know what i'm saying um who like are kind of like yeah like i like black women but like i'm it's not a fetish like i just like love black women like really what do you love specifically about black women like what like what is it and then they like rattle off like the characteristics that like black women have that white women don't and i'm like oh like all the sexual things so so it's a fetish right like (laughs) like what are you not getting here um and i don't know like there, like i feel like there's like a pretty thin line between like fetishizing black bodies and like loving black women like there's like a difference um i don't know sometimes like like white men are just like just idiots sometimes sorry um if you're listening not all of you just like some of you um like talking about like the caribbean thing like one time i had like a friend say to me he was like oh like for whatever reason like haiti did not receive the same dancing gifts as the rest of latin america i feel like all y'all got was the butt shake and i was like literally what are you talking about like like where did that come from what are you talking about what are you saying like none of our traditional dances include shaking your butt but like that's what you want to see like that's what you superimpose on our culture because that's what you do see when you see us like you see butts you don't see like the other stuff it's just wild I mean, I feel like that's something that happens every day, like whether it's like the media or like in movies, in songs, like it's like a reoccurring thing. It's like I can't really pinpoint like one exact moment. But yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And to kind of um, reiterate what Tara said, it's definitely like as a Black woman, I feel like kind of hesitant in some ways to even express myself physically or emotionally because of those stereotypes that are on the back of the minds of non-Black people, as well as there are also Black men who choose to not come um, date um, 
black women, specifically dark-skinned black women, because of the same stereotypes that we are too sexually aggressive and emotionally aggressive. And yeah, and I feel like that has a lot to do, again, with like the patriarchal society and are the stereotypes that we have been forced upon us. But to kind of wrap it up, since we talked a lot about um, cackling and harassment, um, patriarchy, enslavement, what do you guys think could improve the um, the, frustra- the frustrating systematic issues that we face as women of color, specifically Black women? I feel like not to sound like Martin Luther King, um, but like, I feel like dialogue helps. Like, maybe that's just me. Maybe I just am like this weird person who strongly believes in the power of dialogue. But I feel like a lot of time there's kind of just like this disconnect where a lot of the men who do things that women don't like don't know that what they're doing is something that women don't like, I think. Like, sometimes, like, they think catcalling is, like, you know, it's complimenting, it's something that we like. And, like, maybe they don't realize that it's weird um, and kind of scary sometimes. Um, So I think, like, if there was just more, more dialogue or, like, more conversations about, like, how to love and respect and appreciate uh, women of color without scaring us. I feel like that would really be helpful. Um, I feel like for me, the best way is probably to start in the Black community itself. Like, especially with Black moms and Black daughters to like have this conversation about our bodies and how it is hypersexualized and just for the term of being too grown to like stop being used and I feel like from there we have like solidarity as black women and then we can like branch out and like discuss you know why this thing is disgusting and degrading. Yeah a dialogue is definitely important as well and I feel like education is a great place to start because a lot of people don't no, like I didn't learn about racialization until I got older and I went online and experienced it myself. And I think that's something that could be brought up in a historical concept, a context in English literature, in um, um, sexual, sexual education. Like it's not okay to look at people this way. And why, what is the historical context of it? And there are stories, there are novels that even talk about this as well. Like it's so important to integrate of um, race and gender into those subjects because that is part of our site that's who we are but um so just leading those conversations and having those subjects it's i think that's just really important and even now like things like this like us communicating about us expressing our experiences and concerns like that's a great way to start and how we can implement implement change the world can't change in a day and it has to be like all of us that like everyone, not just us, that is is um, interested and empowered to make this change. Thank you for allowing me to have this discussion with you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to The Black Experience and Birds and Black Girls. We hope that you tune in again. Follow us on Instagram at MCLABSU. And if you'd like to be a guest on our podcast, 
go to the link in our bio and check out our website and make sure you check out more episodes of Birds and Black Girls. Thank you. Thank you.